is the Weird, Fat, and Sober podcast. I'm joined by my friend Lisa. What's up, man? Hey. How are you? I'm all right. I'm trying to think. I've known you like, I think like two years now or something like that. I think I met you at a fantasy football draft, I think. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I was going to assume you were going to say one of your shows or something, but yeah, that was fantasy I, football. I feel like I first sure. met you there and then you came to shows and stuff after that. But yeah. So how long have you been in Lubbock? Um, I've been here since the beginning of 2016. Okay. Um, I was living in uh, Boston beforehand. Right. And so I had been to Lubbock before, and this was kind of like, I knew this was probably the best place for recovery for me because of the whole tech thing, like having the center. So Did you come here to go to tech, or did you come here to go to treatment? Well, came here to go to treatment and get sober, and the decision factor was that afterwards I could go to tech. Right, right. Um, I had been to a few treatments before, and I just... Right. Kept fucking up, but... How long have you been sober now? I've been sober... I'll have... I'm like three and a half years sober. Cool. I had to think about it for a second. Awesome. <laughs> so where, where did you grow up? Um, I spent a majority of my life um, in just north of Atlanta in okay. Georgia. Cool. Um, I was like born in Pittsburgh and moved around a shit ton. And right. then... What are, you, what are your parents do that make you move? Um, my dad had a job with General Electric... And his job was to like go to plants and like make them better, basically. And so we maybe stayed like one to two years at a place per time. Dang. Um, But once we got to Georgia, my brother was in middle school. He wanted to just stay with his friends. He didn't want to move again. So my dad found a different job. Well, uh, I mean, so you moved around a lot. Like that's kind of intense, I guess, on a kid really. I mean, uh, I, I was, I've, I grew up in the same place my whole life, like this area, like I've moved an hour away from where I grew up. And so, I, I mean, I feel like, uh, I don't know. Was that, was that hard for you as a kid? Like adjusting every couple of years? I mean, um, not really. No? I, like a lot of people think, um, like, Oh, people don't like change, Yeah. but I always thought it was very interesting to move, move to a different place. Yeah. Like I was always so excited when my dad was like, Oh, we're going to go here. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go to this place. Like from Georgia, we were supposed to move to Buffalo, New York. Wow. And I was like so hype. I was like, they have snow. <laughs> we're going to get back up north. This is going to be great. Yeah. My brother was like, no, I don't want change. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it every time we moved. Yeah. I thought it was so interesting. So you said you went, you uh, had been to a couple treatments. You like ended up in treatment here in Lubbock. Like what was the circumstances around the first time you went to treatment? Uh, the first time I went to treatment, um, I was using a lot in, in high school, um, yeah. got a little bit into some harder stuff my last few years of high school. Um, a few of my friends found out, my brother found out. My brother was kind of the tipping point because he went to my parents about it. Um, and so my parents tried to do the whole outpatient thing. Like I was supposed to be prescri- uh, prescribed Subutex and everything like that, but I... Oh, so you're a heroin addict. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they were trying to go that route, and I kept, like, BSing the tests. I would get fake pee. Like, I would, like, do anything and everything to, like, just keep using. And yeah. then they had me, like, go see this therapist lady. I maybe saw her once, and then the second time I saw her, it was with my parents, and she was like, you need to go to treatment. And I was like, up yours. I'm out of here. Yeah. Legit started walking. Yeah. Um, so how old, how old were you at that point? I was 18. I had okay. just graduated high school, and it was like that summer after high school. My parents found out. Right. So what was like the first time you tried heroin? Um, it was actually my birthday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that your 18th birthday? No, it wasn't my 18th birthday. It was my 17th birthday. <laughs> and Gnarly. the guy I was dating at the time, um, well, I guess I need to back up a little bit. I was doing pills a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he was like, there's a cheaper alternative. And I was just like, I don't know what that is but whatever and so I didn't really think about it much and then on my 17th birthday he was just like oh I have something for you we need to go to the bathroom and so yeah. I snorted heroin for the first time and I was just like tar white shit or no it was white yeah, um, okay. I yeah. was over yeah Atlanta I guess it's like a Mississippi line is the dividing point right for yeah that's why I always ask because like yeah. it was always tar down here but yeah that's that's gnarly man I mean so was it like with the pills were you like stealing them from your parents and stuff or just like no, I was getting them from people. I was getting them from people. Yeah. Right. Um, I had a bunch of surgeries in middle school and then mm. I actually had my wisdom teeth taken out like right before I started high school. Right. And then I like 
liked that feeling and so i asked her around <laughs> high school and i was like hey uh, yeah. is this a thing and they were like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel so they you. were taking it from their parents but i wasn't and i was just like eh. right it's not my fault <laughs> so i mean what what kind of like neighborhoods and schools did you kind of grow up in like a little more affluent i mean it sounds like your dad had a pretty decent like, pretty good job i mean um i had a very i was very lucky with my my upbringing i mean uh, when i was younger like before we went to georgia we didn't have a whole bunch yeah but when we moved to georgia the we had lived in the north the whole time so the cost of living was a lot higher and so moving to georgia it was a lot nicer right um you could get a bigger house for a lot less money mm. and so i actually lived in a gated community yeah i've heard i've heard georgia's like years. really nice like affordable like mansions you know what i mean I've oh yeah that. definitely like, definitely that's cool man so i mean uh i feel like that's kind of a more common thing i would think with like well-off families like the, the parents have pills laying around the house the kids are stealing them you know what i mean like i i, I knew those people in high school too and like i kind of was like in the <laughs> middle of of that and like the other people who were like you know could get other shit but <clears throat> so yeah i mean when like so you went to treatment at 18 and like, what were you able to stay sober for a little bit after that, or? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The first time I went to treatment, I actually came to Dove Tree here. Okay. Oh wow. Um, it was my parents always said it was between here and California, and they didn't want me to have a good time, so <laughs> sent me to West Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I fought it the whole time I was in treatment. Right. They even sent me to another treatment center in Arizona for a little bit, mm. and then had me come back here and continue <laughs> to do treatment. And I was just like, you guys are crazy. Um, I got out of treatment and I was sober for about two weeks. Really? Um, I lived out of sober living here in town and at one point they wanted me to go back to treatment because they thought I wasn't really ready. Yeah. I hadn't relapsed or anything, they just, but you, they were just like, we don't think you're ready for this. We need you to go back. And when you're done there, you can come back here. You'll have a place to stay. And I was like, no, that's not fair. <laughs> Dude, um, I mean, I feel like trying to get so I am like, I got sober at 25. And I can't imagine trying to get sober at 18. Like, oh and I meet God, people no. like that, and I'm like, Travis is, Travis is like 19 or 20, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, dude, I can't imagine trying to get sober at Emma, you know? Like, she just graduated, and, like, she just got sober at, like, 16, I think. Yeah. And, like, I can't imagine that. So, yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, so, like, what happened What happened after, like, the sober living thing? Did you end up going back home, or? Uh, no, I got r- really mad at them, cussed out a few people, and I left, and I called a friend that I knew was in town that wasn't u- was using, right. wasn't sober anymore, and I said, screw it. If they want to send me back to treatment, I'll give them a reason to send me back to treatment. <laughs> and so I went I'll and started them. using again. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how long of a run did you go on until the next time you went to treatment? Um, it wasn't that long. Um, I ended up meeting with a few friends with uh, that I went to treatment with here at that time. Um, we ended up getting a motel room together and we got robbed mm. by a bunch of tweakers. Fuck. It scared the shit out of me. And my, my reaction to that was, I'm going to get out of Lubbock. Mm. And so me and two other friends drove to Dallas. Mm. Um, those two friends had a place to stay and they kind of like were like, Man, thanks for driving us to Dallas. Bye. <laughs> And so I was living in my car. Right. Um, and then in the meantime, I had another friend that went to treatment. The CEO of that treatment center called me and was like, hey, I know what you're doing. I know what's going on. Yeah. Let me get you into a bed somewhere. Right. And so I just waited like maybe a week. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to send you an address. Drive to that place. They're going to take you to treatment. I was like, okay. Yeah. And so I was sent to Origins at that point. Where's that? South Padre Island. Oh, wow. Oh, I think uh, Taylor O'Hara went there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taylor, and then you know Corey. Corey just graduated. Too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't know if he graduated, but he was spoke at dinner. Right, um, right. No, he did graduate, I think. Oh, but, uh, that's awesome. I'm not sure. But, yeah, uh, so <laughs> that that seems like a treatment center that, uh, you know, it's kind of bougie a little bit, was it? I mean, South Padre I was Island. very lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. My parents didn't even know I was going to treatment until I was maybe like an hour outside. Oh, yeah. Like the, the person like driving me in there. And I was like, hey, <laughs> I messed up again. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it, though. They're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did you get a scholarship through there or something? Yeah. That's I got a scholarship up. for 45 days. Oh, um, nice. And then I actually ended up staying there a full 90. So nice. uh, my parents paid for the other half. Right. Insurance did, actually. That's what's up. So, I mean, did that stick for a little while? Did that help? I mean, um, it did for a little bit. Once I left there, I went to Austin for sober living. Right. 
Um, and I was doing really well there for some time. Um, and then, of course, a, fr- a friend of mine from the same treatment center, Origins, she was using um, at the sober living that I lived at. You only got drug tested once a week. Yeah. And heroin's out of your system in X amount of days. Two, three days, yeah. Um, and so they would drug test on Monday. I'd go use on Tuesday and then piss clean by Monday again. Fuck. And so I just kept doing that for like yeah. a while. Like I would only use every Tuesday. <laughs> I would go use. But just, I think there's definitely a part in the book that says that about alcohol. So I'm pretty sure that applies to heroin. I, I, still. I, just, I just switched We only the use name. on certain days. <laughs> we only use certain amounts. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, that's terrible, but it's funny. But I mean, like, I don't know. It's uh, I went to kind of a bougie treatment center, and it's it stuck for me. But like, there were people around me still that like, you know, relapsed while we were in treatment, relapsed as soon as they left, and it's like, what what you know, you've been sober almost four years now. Like, what was the thing that stood in the way of you really like getting it? Was it just like ego? Like for me, like one thing that because I before I went to treatment, like. I tried to get sober and stuff and I couldn't do it. And like the biggest thing was like, I had a lot of unresolved like trauma and was like self resentment and self loathing from like, you know, that was kind of surrounded like my mom's suicides attempts when I was younger and stuff that I witnessed with my, my parents, you know, and like uh, I had to go get my mom out of a hotel room one night of she, after she had attempted suicide. And like, I never really dealt with all that. Did you have anything like that that you just was unresolved? I mean, um, I mean, in all sincerity, still to this day, I have some unresolved trauma that I just right. choose not to face. Um, I just got better with handling it and kind of like right. dealing with it in my own way, I guess. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was really angry. Yeah. Like that whole time. And it was like, oh, my parents wanted me to do this or someone else wanted me to do this. And so I'm not going to listen to you because this is not what I want. And yeah, I was completely content with just throwing away my life. Right. And just not having a future. I was completely fine with that. I was like, there's no point to life anyway. Yeah. So why not just do something that makes me feel different? You know? Yeah. Um, I was just mad all the time. Yeah. All the time. Well, I, I mean, is okay. there anything that you can pinpoint that to now? Like looking back, like I know, like for me, I felt like that. Like I was, I was angry at God. I was angry at my parents. I was angry at myself. I hated myself, you know? And like, I really think it like, like I said, with my mom's stuff, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, I, I, I was so affected by it and I couldn't even really see it until I got like a little bit of sobriety. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I have all this like pent up self-loathing and pity and hatred and angst and like all this shit. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything that you've been able to pinpoint it at? Like, um, I, some of my trauma um, is around um, religion. Right. Me too. Um, totally relate. And so when I would read the word God in the big book, my I just couldn't separate it. Right. I couldn't separate the term God from religion. And like, I don't, I don't want to say even to this day, because like I have too much time to be able to say that. But like, not too much time, but like, I still don't really, if I'm talking to a sponsee or if I'm talking to someone about the program, I'm like, dude, figure out your higher power and just go with it. Right. Like, whatever the hell God you want. God has a lot God. of connotations. I get that. Yeah. So, uh, what were you, what were you raised up for? Like, what religion? I mean. Roman Catholic. Oh. I went to private school for five years. Mm. Um, and that's where. So, your parents are strict or, practicing Catholics? I mean. Not really. My no. mom, my mom definitely was a little bit more keen on it than my father was. Right father has his own stuff with religion right. um but he's definitely like well this is part of our family like this is part of our family name Tradition. you're just this is what you have to go through this is just what you have to do yeah. um i didn't know that there was other stuff that was gonna happen that you know have to go through so. right so i mean the private school thing like i, I can't I don't, i've never did that i don't really you know know what it's like but i, I hear the stuff i mean is it like was there like physical punishment and like stuff like that too or no, no, not no. The place I went to, there wasn't like any like physical stuff. Right. There weren't nuns yeah. there because that's uh, usually what I, that uh, that's right. a horrible thing to associate with it. But like when I think of like physical punishment, I yeah, think it's like, like a nun with a leather paddle. Yeah, like my dad always had a story when he was younger. He went to private school and a nun like dragged him down the hallway by his ear oh. and just like pulling him. And I was like, oh, that's so scary. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> So, I mean, like, what was your, like, what was the private school experience like? Was it just the fact that you were, like, being taught this religion and, like, this is the 
like truth and right way or was it like was was it just you were you kind of brainwashed i mean because i feel like that like i oh shit what happened <laughs> the screen just like turned off for a second uh like my dad is like uh pentecostal like super super spiritual guy like you know he like he we grew up he believes in like tongues and healing and like all that like i always say like if if there would have been snakes around like the church we went to would have been like snake handlers but they didn't have the snakes oh, wow. <laughs> it was fucking intense but like even to this day like i still have things about myself that i'm like like I, I feel brainwashed. Like I still like I. There's a lot of things I've had to work to like remove like belief systems and part of a belief. You know what I mean? Like there's still things that I do and think like, you know, like sometimes I doubt like the things I'm trying to do. Like if I'll ever be successful because I'm like not a like Christian. You know what I mean? Like I I literally think like that and it's like I still am working on like. I mean that brainwashing. Like mm -hmm. I don't know any other word to use in that. But like, do you That's have anything valid. like that? That's valid. Um. When relating things to the program, um, in this time that I've had sober, like I've thought about like going back to religion and just like exploring that. Right. And like you kind of feel like at this point, like you have a freedom to like explore whatever the heck religion you want to explore. Right. But like I'll always have it in my mind that it's like maybe they're not right. And like since I've had this upbringing and like this thing right here, like that's the only one that can be right. right. And like I find myself like kind of slipping into that a little bit. Even though, like, I know that's not true. Like, I feel like not, like, every religion has maybe, like, 1%, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think baseline of religion, I've been able to, like, kind of calm myself when it comes to it. It's just, like, everyone's just trying to be a better person. Right. Um, and stuff like that. Um, I mean, when I was at private school, and even a little bit after private school, they had a thing called a, a scapular in the Catholic faith. Mm. You know what a scapular I don't. is? Um, it's like this blessed, oh my God, You're fine. <laughs> um, it's like this blessed, like necklace thing usually. Um, and you wear it around your neck and like there was other stuff with it. So like, if you can see it, your clothing isn't appropriate, but that's not the point, mm. um, that I was wearing it. <laughs> but it's like, even afterwards, even if like a, as a self-proclaimed, proclaimed atheist at one point, I would wear it because it was like a blessed object that like if you died it was believed that you would send like spend maybe two or three days in purgatory and then go to heaven right and so like even though i was like screw god screw religion screw any of this uniformity that has to do with it i like held on to that because i was like they maybe have a point yeah like, so what, what is the significance of the scapular like is it just i mean is it similar to a rosary or is it just like a symbol of something or i guess i never really truly knew like the purpose of it but um i, f I feel like actually well, when i shouldn't say purpose but like the true like story behind it, it or like yeah. like the i feel like catholicism is it, from the outside looking or from the yeah looking in it's it's like so symbolic and like there are so many different like the saints and, and the virgin mary and it's like it's it's its own thing. Like people, like I, I didn't know growing up, like, Oh, they're a, they're a sect of Christianity. Like I thought it was a totally different other thing. You know, like I remember going to like a few Catholic funeral when I was really young and like having to get out and get back up and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Like, you know, it's nice little workout for two yeah, hours yeah. <laughs> on Sundays. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's different for sure. But I mean, like, you know, you said that it affected you. Like what, what was the thing so much that affected you the most? Was it like, you know, the whole Senate, the, you know, the sin concept, like you're a sinner and like, you know, I don't know that, that, that affected me too. And it still like still does. And I think about it a lot and I have to try to like, you know, f like deal with it in a different way. But like, uh, I don't know, was that something that affected you? Yeah, definitely feeling like, um, like I was told all the time you sin at least seven times a day and it's just like, wow. So like everyone's screwed. Like, <laughs> so what's the point? Yeah. Um, and, but then it's like, you got to try to be a good person, but then it doesn't matter if you're trying to be a good person, you're still going to mess up and you're going right. to be damned in God's eyes in one, one way or another. And it's just like, you can't win. Yeah. You can't win with this religion. So like you even <laughs> have like the Pope dude sinning at least seven times a day, right. but he's the Pope. <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah i don't know man it's Drone weird nuts. it was it was just like you couldn't get a break right 
Like when I, when I went to treatment, I did like a Christian program within the treatment center that I went to. And so like when I got home, I like pursued Christianity and like a, for like the first year of my recovery, you know, and like I was, you know, part of a church team, like playing on the worship, worship team and everything. And like super devoted. I'm talking like reading the Bible every morning when I get up, like, I, you know, and I was like, after a year of that, I was still like, I was sober and I was like doing okay. Like on the outside, but like inside I was fucking miserable. Like anytime that I slipped up and did anything like that's normal, you know, like have sex or look at porn or fucking eat shitty or fucking smoke a cigarette. Like I'd hate myself. And like, I finally had to like sit down with myself and realize like if, if I really am pursuing God and the universe and like, you know, positive things, like I have to understand that like, um, that's not what, my higher power wants for me is to be miserable and hate myself. I'm like, I had to really kind of make a conscious decision to like, to, to look past religion and like, look at it as a more of a spiritual, like, you know, spiritual thing than like religious thing. You know what I mean? And like, I guess growing up with my dad, like, and the way we were brought up, like there was, there wasn't one without the other, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know. Did you ever have, have you gone through that? Like, since you've got sober, like, do you have your own connection and relationship with it in a similar sense that you did growing up and now it's yours? Like, um, yeah, kind of, um, in the sense of like spirituality. Yeah. I've kind of figured out my own thing as much as, I don't know, spirituality still weirds me out sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But like, it's like weird because if you go too far one way, it's like you're fucking listening to crystals, and you know, what I mean, but if you go too far the other way, you're fucking miserable and like you can't even show a shoulder, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're always so. trying to like find like this happy medium. Uh, yeah. um, but um, I just have to think of it as like energy. Yeah. And just think of it as like what you put into the world is what you'll get out of it, kind of thing. Like right. cliches like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally. But, I'm the same way. Um, the second I put a face to it or I try to give it a, a, a word or like try to make it something to pray to, it just takes me, I, I, and I hate it. It takes me like right back to religion, right. but I always have to think of it in a way of just like, like what I said, just like putting out good energy into the world and kind of like being like the better me, which sober me is the better me yeah. me going to college is the better me like right. me having a relationship with my family and like not being a dingus <laughs> um yeah no i totally get it so but know. i mean uh I don't, I don't know if i even gave you t time to answer but i mean what was like the thing that affected you so much do you think like about private school i mean was it just like the the actual like teachings of like the religion or like i had no problem with the teaching of the religion um like i had to go through like you had all your core classes and everything like that you right. just also had religious studies added yeah. to it and also like not to like crap on the bible in any way and calling it story time but it did kind of feel like a story that you're getting shit out of like right there's a meaning behind it like there's a purpose behind things right. like yeah sure some things in the bible aren't that freaking amazing but like there are some things that you can really grasp and take with you in your yeah. life and so I always thought that was very intriguing. Um, but like w with any school, especially middle school, like you have girls that are like very pretentious and very I'm better than and very blah, blah, blah. So it was like the constant like comparing myself. I feel like anywhere I would go, I would probably have had this situation. But like if I would really have to like other than like the trauma that I had, like it was the people that were around me. It was like, if you guys are supposedly people of God, mm. how can you be so crap? <laughs> and I mean, I, I guess I really, I can't like say that I wasn't one of those people because I definitely like had my moments where I was shit, but like right. I didn't walk around saying like, Oh, I'm going to heaven. Like yeah. I'm better than you. I was just always like, that's cool. Maybe I should do that. And like, think of that in the future. I wasn't like crapping on someone else if they weren't right. Doing I something feel like right. most people who kind of get out of religion, like we all go through like a similar experience where it's like, we're hearing one thing, we're seeing a different thing. And the people around us, even our parents, you know what I mean? And it's like the cognitive dissonance of it all just kind of like sets you <clears throat> like, just kind of makes you sick of it, you know? And, um, I don't know. It sounds it sounds like we kind of have similar stories in the sense that like we were spiritually sick because of the way we were raised spiritually. You know what I mean? So I, I get that a lot. But 
In another way, um, well, not to interrupt you, but no, like no, keep, the, com- the comparison aspect of like hearing one thing, seeing another thing, like that just makes me, that literally my dad popped to mind. He was like, you need to go to church. You need to go do this. You need to do that. Yep. You need to go to this thing, this picnic at church. You have to do this. And I'm yep. just like, you coming? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Football Sunday. Can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Do as you say, not as you do. Are your parents still married? <laughs> yeah, they are. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So very I mean, lucky. yeah, lucky. that's awesome. So, um, you go to the South Padre treatment, and then what was after that? I mean, how long, how long were you able to stay sober after that? Um, so I had the ninety days initially from treatment, right. and then I was probably like another month and a half after that. I did not have much time. Oh yeah, you went to Austin and, then, and yeah. doing the the Tuesday heroin. Yeah, my Tuesday <laughs> heroin days. Yep, and then it just got to the point where like I didn't want to. Just do Tuesdays. I just didn't want to do Tuesdays anymore. So I was just like, I'm going to go. Never got caught for my sober living. Oh, well. Felt really bad about that. Yeesh. Like, I always felt like shit coming back home, just being like, huh, hello. Yeah, I've been sober this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, like, I still made it to meetings and stuff like that. But, like, I was working two jobs. And so I, like, did my best to, like, not be there because that's where I felt the most shitty. Like, I could walk into a meeting, not know anyone, and just not feel bad at all really? for the, what I was doing. I was yeah. just like, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Um, but when, definitely when it came to that house, I was just like, I'm so sorry. I suck so much. Um, finally got out of there, and I moved into an apartment with this guy I was dating. Um, and just it just kicked off from there. It just kept it happened every day. Yeah. Daily, like everything right. like that. Eventually, we actually, my tipping point was we lost the apartment. I didn't have any money anymore, despite having two jobs. Yeah. And so I was supposed to start school at ACC. And I went and bought the books, and then I had to, like, literally a mental breakdown in the parking lot after buying the freaking books, went and returned them, called my parents, and I was like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I want to come home. And they were like, "Mm, you can come home for a little bit, but you need to go back. And I was like, I don't have my apartment anymore. I'm living in my car again, and you're trying to get me to go to school. Please, can I come home? They were like, fine. Yeah. Then they were living in Boston at the time. They had moved from Georgia up to Boston. My dad worked for Keurig, so that was awesome. Lots of free coffee. (laughs) Um, And literally, like, not even, like, a week in Boston, I had found the right people. (laughs) And I was just like, great, all over again. That's what I was looking forward to, though, was, like, moving in with my parents in a new place. They weren't in Atlanta, so it wasn't like I was going to find similar people there. Right. Um, Geographical solution. Exactly. It always works. Not with um, the internet. I mean, it's pretty fucking easy to find drugs off the internet now. Oh, but. 100%. <laughs> yeah, that amazes me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what was the move after that? Did they, you know, make you go to treatment pretty soon after? Or? They didn't know. Uh, they didn't know. You I just... don't know how. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got to the point where it was like they were given so many suggestions from like me being in treatment and like going to family week and stuff like that. They were like, we really need to just wait for her to be ready. We can't force this upon her anymore. And that's what my mom has actually told me. Like, I think about a year ago, we started telling each other, like, legit everything that was going on at the mm. time. And I started doing that with like, my dad, too. I was like, hey, do you remember that one time that I, like, showed up to your house randomly? <laughs> he's like, yeah. Like, I was going to steal some shit, but I, you were there. <laughs> you know? And he's like, oh, You were there. Well. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah. Don't you love that, though? Oh, it's I, so like, fucking It's, it's kind of nice, like, once you get to this point, like, in your sobriety, and you just, like... Like, yeah, it's still, it's sometimes still a touchy subject with my parents at least, but right. like, we do have our moments where it's just like, laugh oh, about it. Yeah. Then when you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my dad's an addict too. And so now that I have a few couple years, you know, he like, we laugh at like, we had lunch Friday and like, we just laugh about shit now, you know, like, and we were at each other's throats like during my addiction, you know, like he was so sick of my shit. And like, now we're, I fucking see him at least once a week and we're just best buds. Oh, you know? that's awesome. It's just, that's part of like the blessing of it all, I guess really is a second chance, you know, but so, I mean, how long were you with them before shit really hit the fan? I mean, um, in all sincerity, shit never really hit the fan in Boston. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had this experience, but for me, like it always, like even, even in Georgia, like there was never really like a, um, I mean, actually I shouldn't say that in Georgia, I did get arrested, but my parents didn't know that. It technically wasn't drug charges, so yeah. didn't heroin wasn't the problem then. Right. Um, and then um, really, like, I mean, when I lived in Austin, I maintained two jobs. I just couldn't really, like, 
the mental capacity to do school wasn't there. Yeah. But like I could easily do my freaking subway and pizza delivery jobs fine. Right. Like while, while I could, using. Yeah, and I could like I could make my money. I well eventually I couldn't pay rent, but like living at my parents' place it was always like I would have dinner, dinner with them when they asked. Like I would do what they wanted me to do. I would just also have like a stash of heroin in my room at the same time. Like right. as far as they really knew, like I just I mean at least to my knowledge, for a little bit there, like, everything was fine. Right. Um, Which is I, almost worse, like, yeah, because you get away with it so much, and you're just like, oh, fuck, like, we're so proud of you, you're doing so good, and I'm like, eh, you're like, yeah. syringes in my sock drawer right I'm now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, But that was, like, uh, not to, like, sidetrack for a second, no, but, like, ahead. every time I went to treatment, like, every time I heard that first step, like, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, and our lives have become unmanageable, and I was just like, Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I was unmanageable because I couldn't do this. I couldn't go to work anymore. I couldn't do da, da, da. It's like I literally could not see anything wrong right. on the outside. I every time it didn't. It took until like until I got to origins, actually, the first right. time I was like, I'm fine. I can't even do step one because nothing was going wrong. Right. Um, but when I got to origins, they were like, how is your mental stability? And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, not good. Yeah. <laughs> So I always had to like look on the inside of that unmanageability. But every time you think of unmanageability, you think of like on the outside, like it's just yeah. not going right. Um, and yeah, sure, there were a few times where like stuff didn't go right, but it wasn't like the end of the world. Right. There was some other third party type thing you could point to as like, oh, it's not, it's not me using. It's the <laughs> fact that Craig over here fucking yeah. can't pay his half of the rent. Yeah. So. I get, I get that. I was like that for a long time. I mean, I was functioning for. The majority of my using, you know, until the very end, but until it just got to the point where I, like, you know, <clears throat> lost my mind and fucking couldn't, like, you know, I, like, walked out of a job because I was fucking all, like, mentally fucked up. And, but yeah, I mean, so I get that, like, you know, if you're functioning and especially a part of you, like, too, is like, like that powerless. I feel like some people, their ego is like, I'm not powerless, you know, like, I, I can handle this. But, I'm totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're living with your parents, you're using, I mean, what, how long did this go on? And like, when, you know, when did it all end? Um, so I had started, uh, when I moved there about two weeks after moving there with my parents, I signed up for beauty school and I went to cosmetology school in Boston. Uh, I did that for roughly about four months, maybe Yeah. four or five months. And then one morning when I was driving to school, I like started crying because I was like. So, like I had just done the rest of my shit I had to like call my friend and make sure I had somewhere to go at lunch to go pick up with him so I would be able to come back to cosmo cosmetology school and like be fine not be sick and I was just bawling my eyes out like I can't believe I'm doing this what the actual hell is my problem like I had that moment of clarity right. that they talk about like I had that moment and literally of course this is very dangerous don't ever do this <laughs> Decided to look up Dovetree on my phone while I'm driving. Oh, my God. You're fine. <laughs> while I'm driving into Boston. <laughs> yeah. Look up on my phone, um, Ranch at Dovetree's number, and I called them in my car on the way that day. Oh, yeah. And um, I was trying to talk to the counselor that I had when I was there, but she ended up going to a different treatment center. So I was just like, I don't know, Miranda? Is Miranda there? Uh, they were like, yeah, sure. We'll just transfer you to her. And so I left her a message of me, like, bawling. I can't do this anymore. Help me. What do I do? <laughs> and then, like, literally, like, less than an hour later, like, I couldn't answer the call, but I had a missed call from her, and she, like, left me a message of, like, she's like, okay, call this number. Try to contact your, uh, your insurance on doing this, this, and this. Like, we'll be able to help you. I think, I'm pretty sure we have openings. And I was like, oh, God, like, I really, I can do this again. Yeah. Like, I have this option. This option is right freaking here. Um, so I got everything settled to go to treatment. Um, all I needed was a plane ticket. And since I didn't have a job, I had to talk to my parents. Yeah. And so I got really, really, really high. <laughs> and then I walked into the kitchen and I said, mom, I need to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we sat on the couch and she was just like, you're going to tell me you're high, aren't you? And I was just like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, it wasn't super obvious that I was, like, not okay. Because <laughs> um, back then, I wasn't really, it wasn't, like, get high to get high. It was, like, use to feel okay. Oh, yeah. To function. Right. Um, 
So yeah, I and after like, you've been yeah. using for so long, it's just like you don't even really get high hardly oh, no. at all. Like you don't really try. Like you use a lot. Like it's yeah, terrible. And it always scared the crap out of me that like every time like it got to a point where I had like hit that numb point with like a certain amount that I was using. Yeah. That little bit that I would have to like use more, I was just like always petrified. I was yeah. just like, like. I didn't like I wasn't scared like I always say I wasn't scared of dying or I didn't mind if it was happened it was the fact that I was aware that this could probably kill me yeah. that scared me yeah They're just uh, if like if it were to happen then it was fine but me knowing that it could possibly happen yeah, like right here the in the moment like it it's just yeah anxiety kept me alive depression depression told me it was fine yeah. to die <laughs> were you an IV user yes yeah me too yeah so I mean that's, that's awesome how long of a time did you go to treatment for um, I got to DevTree January 2016. Um, did really well. Like, I was there for maybe two weeks, and then my counselor I had, his name was Mark. He was awesome. I, he was also one of the counselors that I cussed out the first time I was there, though. <laughs> and so when I figured out he was my counselor, I was like, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> he remembered me right away. Yeah. He was just like, hey. There's your first amends right there. I was like, hey, I know I'm not on that step yet, but my bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he was just like, hey, I know you know how to go through treatment. I know you know how to do all this crap, and I know you know what you need to do. He was like, other than the fact that you're going to go to Tree Haven, you're going to also, like, after two weeks of doing normal scheduled stuff for the collegiate stuff at Dove Tree, you're going to join the resiliency program. And resiliency at um, Dove Tree was like, you go out three to four times a week. You, like you go on OAP trips, and you were able to like it was it was definitely like it's kind of like having that little cushion of a step of like going from in treatment to like the outside world. Yeah. So it was like I would go out with like other clients, but we would have two chaperones with us, and yeah. we weren't allowed to leave their site. But we were still out in the real world, like doing fun stuff. Right. And so that I thought that was really cool. I, I literally showed up to treatment and I was just like, I'm ready to take suggestion. Like, I just, I can't, obviously what I want to do isn't working. And it's not even what I want to do anymore. It's like what I feel like I have to do. Yeah. Um. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. <fine>. No, you're fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was just ready for suggestion. Uh, stayed sober until April. Stayed sober until April 5th. Um, got in a fight with the guy that I, I thought I was dating. Yeah. Lost my mind and used. Mm. And the second I got high, I was so pissed Oof. that I let that be the reason. Right. And I was just like, how stupid can you get? Like, how weak <laughs> can you freaking be? But in my mind, I was like, this is so embarrassing. Don't tell anyone. Just never freaking do it again. Were you in sober living when you relapsed? I was at Tree Haven. <laughs> oh, man. And you're the manager there now. or the Yeah, now I'm the coordinator at Tree Haven. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. I was at Tree Haven not even a month, I think. And, like, I was supposed to, like, start my new job in a week and stuff like that. And I used with one of the other girls there. Mm. And I was like, okay, we're not going to tell anyone. It's going to be fine. We're just never going to freaking do it again. Ever. Yeah. Never again. Um went to bed that night and then I was woken up at like 1 a.m. by the manager and she was like can you come upstairs and talk to me and I was just like oh. so I walked upstairs and she was like is there something you need to tell me and I was just like which which thing which thing are you talking about I'm like I don't know what you're talking about and she was like did you use today and I was like yes I did that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I did that what do you need me to do do was I need it, to go back there <laughs> was it dope or um it was fentanyl mm. At that time, there was, like, a whole bunch of fentanyl circulating Lubbock. Yeah, and it wasn't even, know. like, trying to be disguised. Like 2016, 2017? Yeah, 2016, early yeah. 2016. Okay. Yeah, that was, like, the last year of my using, and so I was doing that shit, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like I probably have done it before, but, like, it was always cut. Right. So no one would ever just be like, oh, yeah, here's fentanyl. Instead yeah, of yeah. Well, they wouldn't dope. even call it that here. They'd call it light, and they would just, or at least the person I was getting it from. But. Oh, my gosh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know that. I was cool. just knew it was strong. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so how did they find out? Because, I mean, it, it wasn't on drug tests. It still isn't. I mean. No, it's still not. Yeah. Um, the girl that I had relapsed with, she thought it would be funny to tell her sponsor. And her sponsor was like, you need to get honest or I'm going to get honest for you. And I was just like, okay, well, you screwed yourself over. I'm fine. She thought it would be funny? I don't. 
like in I spite? Wanna, I want to say who it was, but I oh, also yeah, I don't want to say I who mean, it was. I mean, go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we don't want to like, dox you, anybody on But here. like, if you knew who I was talking about, you would be like. You can tell me after oh, after the. I will. I will. <laughs> but you'll you'll get it. You'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds like just some spiteful, crazy shit. Like, I mean, guess what I did? It. <laughs> I um, mean, me and her were definitely like not in a good spot, but like. For me, like, I, we had two different reactions. My reaction was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I freaking did this. I don't ever want to do it again. I, like, had that moment of clarity back in January. Why am I doing this now? Yeah. Um, and then she, her reaction was, let's find Xanax. And I was like, that's Ooh. disgusting. Yeah. I never really liked Xanax. I did it in high school. And then, like, everybody had got obsessed with it a couple years ago. And I'm yep. like, dude, it's, like, for little, for children, bro. Like, I want to enjoy my high if I'm going to use, you know, like. I definitely did it in high school too. I had yeah, a friend that had a prescription. I was like, "Yeah, let's do this." Like I have, I, like a in high school, this teacher, like I, I don't, I have no memory of this, but a girl that sat next to me told me this. She said one day I came in and I just set my head on the desk, and the teacher goes, "Hey, Daniel, are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm just a little fucked up." <laughs> like, I have no memory of this. I'm like, "There's a bunch of shit like that." People would tell me. Cause I was getting these little like one milligram Ativans from Mexico for like 25 cents. I would get like bags of them. Jesus. And I just fucking eat them like Skittles, dude. And like I have all, all these things would happen. People would tell me about it that I was doing. And I was like, I have no memory of that. And luckily I never like wrecked anything or fucking oh, yeah, 100%. while I was on it, you know, but, but yeah. Um, so I mean, how long was that little run? Did you get sober pretty quick again after that? Or? Oh, like when, it, when I talked to the manager, she was like, you need to go do relapse protocol and relapse protocol is five days at the ranch. Hmm. Well, now it, like, varies. It depends on, like, what happened, what you did. It could range between, like, three days or, like, ten days. Right. Um, but at the time, it was, like, a set five days. And so me and her, we packed our bags and went back to the ranch. Um, the whole time, like, we had, like, we had our counselors come in and, like, talk to us about the incident and, like, what was going on. Like, kind of just, like, talk it through with us. Yeah. Um, and I was very, like, I messed up. This is my penance. I really hope I can just, they'll let me come back. And if they don't, then I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, this is the best situation for me. Like, I need Trey Haven right now. Yeah. Or else, like, I'm not going to get this. Like, I need this up my ass accountability at the moment. Um, right. And so my counselor, like, fought for, definitely fought for me to come back to Tree Haven. And Tree Haven was, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure what their thought process was, but I'm pretty sure they weren't that like gung-ho about being like oh yeah let's let them both back in after this yeah because like we didn't just use like we used at the house and that's that's pretty messed up um (coughs) so i got really lucky they let me back in they let her back in no they didn't Uh. she didn't she also like didn't want to be sober yeah and so like i don't really blame them so i don't really know in her situation if it was a matter of like them not letting her back in or she just didn't want to go back, so she was going to figure something else out. Right. Or if it was, like, neutrally both like that. Like, we don't want you back. She's like, I don't want to be back. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that situation went. Um, she went back out for a little bit, and then she came back into the rooms. Yeah. Maybe a few months later. Had a bit of time under her belt, and now she drinks like a normal person. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Kudos to her. Yeah, hey, I don't. that trips me out when people do that. But uh, Whatever, I'm not gonna try it <laughs> yeah i don't i'm, I'm good yeah. but uh so i mean so it was just like right back you were right back in it so it's good i mean like yeah. i feel like some people that happens you know just something like you know some drama or trauma happens and you fucking relapse for a second like i had a buddy in treatment who is like one of his, his best friend killed himself and he relapsed for like one night and then was back yeah. out in the next day and he was like working at the treatment center but uh i mean so that's that's awesome so you've been sober ever since then yeah yeah, that's awesome. And now you're the coordinator at, at the same house, sober living that you relapsed at. Yes, Life yes, is I am. a funny way of doing that kind of stuff. It, it feels like a weird, like, mini full circle in my for my recovery at yeah. the moment. So, so um, you know, now that you've been sober, you know, three, what, four years in April, you said? Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, what's been, like, the most difficult thing you've gone through in your recovery? Like, other than getting sober and keeping it, have you had to, like, endure something hard since getting sober? Like. Um, my parents, um, just, uh, don't get me wrong. My parents have a great relationship yeah. and I'm, I'm very grateful like for everything in my life. Um, but I feel like the hardest, which has always, I'm 
not always, but I've gotten a lot better at not like doubting it is my father mainly doesn't really believe in the disease of addiction. Mm. Hard. Um, and so in his mind, he's like, I'm going to have a drink with you one day. Like, well, he's like, you're going to graduate. You're going to be done with the center. Me and you are going to go have a drink. And I was just like, do you not get what is going on here? <laughs> like he, he doesn't. And he also hates it when like people compare like addiction to like, an illness whether it be like cancer or heart disease or like anything like that people hate it when they relate the two yeah not people my dad hates it when you relate the two because he's just like how can you compare a disease of choice to something like cancer because no one chose to have cancer they were just we got shitty cells um and so I've, I've like, tried to go over the idea, like, the concept with him of, like, yeah, like, we made mistakes and we chose to do these things, but there comes a point in your addiction where you don't have a choice anymore. Yeah. It's, like, you, and I tried to explain, like, the whole survival thing of, like, food, water, shelter, all drop below that drug or that drink or, like, whatever the hell it is. All of those things. Yeah. Go down a peg. And so the whole like fight for your life thing goes out the door. It's fight for this drug and only this drug. And this is everything you spend your money on is this. You need to work your ass off for this. And that becomes like not an option anymore. There's not a choice for that. Yeah. And he just still just is like, yeah, but to call it a disease, to say that you can't, especially since I was a heroin addict. He was just like, you never drank alcohol badly. Like, right. of course, no. Of course, if you do heroin, you're gonna be addicted to heroin. You can drink alcohol, you're fine. And I'm just like, but I don't want to take that chance. Like, yeah, in high school, I didn't really like drinking. I drank a few times. I can put a drink down. But like, what if one day, like, I I have that drink with my dad, and then I like the fat feeling, and yeah. I'm just like, oh well, this isn't heroin, so it's fine, and I start believing that. And, like, don't get me wrong, like, I've had those moments in my sobriety, like, in this, in the last three and a half years, where I was like, maybe I can, but it's always, like, a split second, and then I'm like, play the tape fully through, and it's like, can't do that. Yeah. Like, the second I have a substance, like, knowing me and my personality and, like, what has happened in the past is, I'm going to lose it. I'm just going to run with it, and it's just not going to be good. Yeah, that's that sucks. I mean, I feel like I don't even get into those arguments anymore with people. Like, I don't believe addiction's a disease, and it's like, oh, really? Because like science says so and has said so, like you know, (laughs) for a long time. That that big medical textbook thingy said said that. (laughs) I don't know what it is. We learned it in college. That one. That one. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's tough, man. I mean, I feel like to the old view of of stuff like that, especially if your parents are over fi- over or around fifty, like they just view it as like, you know, mental weakness or something. They just didn't back, you know, when they were younger, they didn't understand it, you know, like we understand it now, you know, and it's like, it's it's hard to to deal with, and I can't imagine like having a parent who you know doesn't believe like what you went through, you know, the the validity of it, like that's that's tough. So I mean, like, is your mom? Some, does she think of the same way, or is she like understand? Or, um, I feel like she thinks the same way, but she's not as vocal about it. She's not as adamant about it. She's right. like, hey, if this is what's working for you, and this is what's keeping you safe right now, or like for however long you do it, then I'm happy. Right. But she's never gonna like get try to get in a conversation with me about so like addiction isn't a disease. Yeah. Tell me why not, or like whatever the thing is, like prove me wrong. Yeah. So I'm just like, don't get me wrong. Like I love my dad, and like we can have great conversations. And he kind of th- he thinks the same way. He's like, hey, if this is what's helping you right now, like that's great. But he has those moments where he's like, in the future, <laughs> it'll be different. And oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, that conversation is like semi like faded away, but there are still moments where it comes up. Like, yeah. Around the holidays, sometimes. So I'm probably <laughs> you're coming to, up. Yeah, next nope. week. Yeah. I get to see my dad. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, that's a weird one. I, my dad too. He, like, he's an addict. Like, he he went to treatment, and everything, and went worked the program, and like, he still doesn't believe it's a disease, but he thinks it's like he literally thinks it's demonic or you know spiritual. I'm like, well, those things aren't mutually exclusive. It could you know it could be it's spiritual and it's like scientifically labeled a disease. Like it's you know, but yeah, that's tough, man. I mean. <laughs> 
but it seems like from you know what you said and like knowing you, it seems like you have a pretty good relationship with them, and it doesn't really like hinder you like you know spending time with them or being around them or anything. But so I mean, I don't know, like, um, you know, almost four years, and you know you've got a decent job. Like from your reputation, I know you're around. Like you're you know a good student and everything. We both you know have our scholarships and everything, and it seems like recovery has given you a lot. But I mean, like, what's your most cherished characteristic of of who you are in recovery like you know what i mean Ooh. like for me like one thing that um i'm proud of and i can say is like most of the time i i'm like really responsible and i never was fucking, i'm pretty responsible i can be irresponsible sometimes with my time but for the most part like i i could never fucking just like manage normal shit when i was even before like heroin like i just couldn't fucking like my dad <laughs> it would drive him crazy like I, I all my mail would still get sent to the south like i barely changed my address i lived in like eight years and i changed i only changed my address like once i got sober <laughs> like, and he would still get all my mail and he'd be bringing me boxes of mail when he'd see me he's like change your address you know like so i mean i don't know that's i guess for me that's my example is like i just i'm a little more responsible than i was before do you do you see anything like that the change um Thinking about it, um, and it's especially also like pertaining to my job as well as like friends that I've had to help out, like the compassion that I've had for other people. I know sometimes it doesn't come across that way, but like, especially with ladies that I work with at the house, like I will, I, I love taking time to just, if they need to sit and bitch, I, I, I would gladly be there for them. Yeah. Like I have this new sense of like compassion and I feel like I've kind of noticed myself developing that when I had a really good friend of mine go back out and like I found myself becoming the enabler mm. and then I I quickly wanted to like change that and be like okay come to me when you want help and I will do anything and everything to help you and like if she was ever in a shitty situation like I would be right there for her and I would want to get her out of that situation and take her wherever she needs to be like take her somewhere safe um and like in the past like I I was I was like screw everyone and I hated people so much and even I would probably say my first year of sobriety I hated people still I was just like very I wouldn't say very standoffish but like I, I met Dom maybe a year into my sobriety and like I didn't want to like be friends with like I, I was friendly but I was just like I don't want to be friends friends with you and he like knew that like <laughs> he's even like talked to me about it and he was like you like refused to like even hug me or like spend time with me even though we were like buddies and I was just like yeah but we were just buddies in passing I didn't <laughs> like you I hated you but now Dom's like one of my favorite people right right and I was like, I was always closed off for a really long time. Yeah. And I've been able to like open myself up and have compassion for other people awesome. and like be there for other people. Yeah. Um, that's something I've never really thought of that question. That's a good question. Thanks. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's something. But uh, I also want to talk about your job a little bit. I mean, you're on the flip side of that now from being a client there to being like, you know, program coordinator. Like what's, what's, what's the toughest part of your job? when I totally understand where they're coming from with a complaint and there's nothing I can do about it. What's like a common complaint, like curfew or I wouldn't say curfew. Curfew isn't really a complaint. Even when they like with the girls that we have at the house right now, at least no one really complains about curfew. Like once they get phased up, they don't even like stay out till their curfew. They come home early. I'm like, dude, I was out. Like if my curfew was midnight, I would text the tech at midnight and be like, Hey, can you come get me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, um, I'm trying to think of like certain situations. Um, I, I have this thing where it's like, okay, if I've warned you once about it, if I have to tell you about it again, I need to put you on restriction. Right. And so it could be a moment where they like just forget. And I'm just like, I like being the coordinator. I do need to hold up my end of things. Right. And as much as it sucks, got to be stern. Like I, I have to keep that up or yeah. else you're not going to remember. Right. And like, and I'm not saying like, like like oh they're like purposely forgetting or something like i don't know what am i trying to say um i just totally lost my train of thought you Damn it. were okay. saying like you don't have to tell somebody something twice and you gotta okay. hold your if, I have to t- if i have to tell you twice then you have to do it again and then like i've had it in the past where girls are like they'll fight me on it right. and but i've also have girl had girls that are like you did tell me this before you're right, right. 
And so it's kind of like almost like a, a learning experience kind of thing instead of like being quick to like, I mean, females in early recovery are hard. Yeah. They're very hard. Yeah. But like, and it's those moments that you get to see growth instead of them reacting like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this and like get really mad at me. And they're like, I understand that. Yeah. And so it, it's not even like a, a point of like punishment. It's just like they're like, yeah, I did something wrong. And I'm just like, hell yeah. And I get to see that growth. And it's so cool. That's awesome. Um, but I always hate doing that because it's like, because I feel like majority of the time it's like, oh my gosh, I was in a rush. I had to get to work. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, From your point of view as a staff member, what's harder to deal with? A young woman in recovery or an older woman in recovery? I don't know if y'all get older. With we the do. Age demographic y'all get, but. We do. <clears throat> when I lived at Tree Haven, there was a woman that was like in her 50s. Yeah. And she was freaking awesome. But I feel like, because I was in sober living a long time. I was there almost two years, like, in, throughout the whole stages. Yeah. Too long. But it was just my situation. Like, it, I just needed to be there, you know. That's understandable. Yeah. Just that. financially and, like, er legally and everything I had going on. But, like, I noticed that with older people, it could either go one of two ways. Either they're just, like, do everything they're supposed to or they're just, like, miser miserable fucks like to be around and like you know so i don't mean i don't know if women are similar in that way like like i, I you know i went to a co-ed treatment and stuff but like as far as the sober living and stuff like I, I can't i don't really know what it would be like to on the woman's side of things i mean i don't you know which it's similar but I don't, you know when it comes to younger girls i feel like um and i hate to put like an overarching thing around it but you can kind of like guess how it's gonna go yeah like they're younger. They're probably a little less mature. Yeah. And they're going to overreact sometimes. Right. And you're just always kind of like ready for that. Yeah. Um, the biggest problem that I've had with women who are older than me, <clears throat> excuse me, is me telling them right. what they're supposed to be doing. And you're younger than and them. I'm being, and I'm younger than, him, yeah. than them. Like me, a 24-year-old telling like, let's say a 40-year-old what to do, they're not really going to take it the right way. Oh, yeah. At least that's in my experience. They're not. Yeah. I think that's normal. I mean, like, I, as a, I've been in management positions before, and just having workers that are older than me is like the fucking worst. Like, like, hey, bud, can you do this for me? And like, we're gonna never, you know, <laughs> like, it's it's hard. Yeah, uh, I got to this one point with this one client um, a while ago that I just had to be like, I understand that this is frustrating for you. I can't imagine that because I've always been the younger one when I'm in sober li sober living. Right. But, like, there's a reason why I'm at this point and I'm here and able to tell you these things. Yeah. Like, and that's not me shitting on them in any way, shape, or form. Right. But, like, I'm here to just do nothing but help you. Right. To help, like, to assist you in this part of your journey. Yeah. This is one small portion. Yeah. You can tell everyone else what you want them to do when you're <laughs> out of here. <laughs> but, Fran, you got to listen to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here to just help at the moment. Uh, and yeah. I'm sorry, and I bet it sucks. Yeah. But. <laughs> I, I'm so grateful for the age I got sober at. Like, I still, like, I've, lately I've been, like, you know, very uh, conscious of my age, like, around campus and stuff. I had a couple people call me sir. You know, like, Oof. around campus, I was like, dude, I'm 27. Like, you're making me feel <laughs> old. Like, you know, but I'm grateful that I got sober at the age I got sober at because it's like, dude, I, I see people, you know, in treatment or in sober living that are in their 40s and 50s. And, like, ugh, oh, it's got to be really tough. Like, I it astonishes me, like, when I would go into treatment and there would be, like, a 60-something-year-old there. And I'm just like, you could basically be my grandmother. Yeah. And, like, not to be, like, a dick or anything, but, like, at that point, like, you know that they're not choosing to, like, at least in my experience, none of them ever were like, yeah, I need to go to treatment. It was always, like, their grandkid or their son or their daughter yeah. being like, you need to go to treatment. It's like, dude, they're 65. Yeah. I understand, like, maybe going to detox for a little bit just to, like, get them to, like, slow down or something. But, like, you're taking, like. Yeah. Somebody whose most of their life has already been you know, lived. Yeah. Like, that's that's and, tough. And you're man. asking them to start like this new chapter. I mean, I'm not saying it's like pointless, but I would <laughs> yeah, like, I if I saying. was 65 and going like, and my son or daughter were telling me to go to treatment, I'd be like, dude, up yours. Like, yeah. no. Oh yeah. Just let me die. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe not that, but like, no, I'll no, go no. to detox, but like, you're not taking a month of my life away. Yeah. Like I have lived my life. I, d I don't need to go to treatment. <laughs> and I, I hope nobody listens to this and like, y'all are ageist, you know, or some no, shit. No, but no, I, no, no. <laughs> but I, I totally get what you're saying. And it's like, I, I, I would be the same way, I think, at that age. Like, I, that's what I mean, man. It's, it's probably, 
really hard. I feel like the longer you're out there and the more shit you put yourself through, it's probably really tough to get sober and get it. You know, it's like, oh, especially yeah. if you got all these habits and shit, but, but yeah, I mean, so it seems like you've kind of, how long have you been at your job? Started in May. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And you're already program coordinator. Well, I was hired as program oh. coordinator. Yeah. That's That's um, awesome. The last manager moved and wanted to get her master's somewhere else. And so yeah. Vince was like, hey, you want to work at Treehaven? And I was like, eh, I'll be PRN. I'll do an RA job. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. He was like, no, no, no. I need you to be coordinator. And I was just like, hey. I haven't even worked like a second of that job. And you want me to tell people that I've worked at that job longer than me what to do when I don't even know what I'm doing? Yeah, it's tough. Oh, it sucked. And then the manager went on maternity leave after like two weeks of me being there. And so I had to do both of the jobs. Fuck. And I was like, oh my God. You got this, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a lot of people working under you? We have, I have to think about it. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. I think we got about six and a half because we have one PRN. So she just only works like when we need her to work. But yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, good. You're 24? Yeah. It's awesome, man. I think I'm the oldest one at my job. Really? I think so. Huh. Yeah. I think the majority of the girls are like, we're between like 21 and 24. The majority yeah. are like 22, 23. That's awesome. Um, so when do you graduate? Hopefully next December. Okay. But it's probably not going to happen that way. Yeah. So I'm probably going to graduate in spring. What's your plan after graduation? Um. Well, my parents' plan is... My parents' whole grand scheme of thing is they want that whole, like, grandparents and and children and grandchildren to all live within an hour of each other. Yeah. And so my brother's kind of in the process of, like, starting that family life. And so my parents moved back down to Georgia to be with him. And so they're like, when you graduate, you'll just come to Georgia. Yeah. And then you can start your life there. And I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty unsure of things. Um. I know I want to be a teacher. Yeah. But that's all I got. <laughs> uh, what's your major? Um, I'm a general studies major. Okay. So I have three minors, mm. and that's German, economics, and recently switched to ADRS. Mm. Um, so when I graduate, I'll be able to, like, work at a treatment center and, like, get trained as a therapist. But right. But don't know if I want to go that route. Yeah. That's, that's but, it's but it's definitely an option, though. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Just, yeah. And people have told me like all the time that like therapy and like psychiatry and stuff like that is great. But like, I'm really scared of like getting me like when I need to stop fucking hitting <laughs> You're this. totally fine. When I was at 18, like if I get a client that's Ugh. like me, I'm yeah. going to be like, I want to shake you. But like, <laughs> I what's your know. ideal teaching position? Um, I would love to do high school. Yeah. There was a period of time where I really wanted to be a high school math teacher. Mm. Because I had a high school math teacher that freaking hated me, <laughs> but I a guy got straight A's all through high school yeah, in math, really? specifically in math. I could never do history, um, but math. And so I was, I always wanted to like, kind of like poetically put it in her face by becoming a math teacher and being like, ha, <laughs> I can do what you do. Yeah. You hated me. <laughs> you said I wouldn't amount to anything. I'm doing your job. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, but now I've thought about it more, um, and I that's why I'm doing economics, and I'm, I'm kind of, like, very intrigued with doing the economics route. Because every time I talk politics with someone, I, I go the economics route. Mm. And uh, a lot of people don't know too much about economics, so it's like... Oh, goddamn uh, thing. Uh, <laughs> supply and demand, that's all you yeah, need. <laughs> yeah, that's really it. It's just like, buy shit, sell shit. No. Well, there you go. That's how it works. Um, uh, and then... Uh, I also wanted to be, I debated being a German teacher, but Lubbock does not have a German program in their in high, high school, schools yeah. or really like anywhere. So I would have to go to like East Texas for that. Um, but I was really kind of bummed about that because I definitely like wanted to stay in Lubbock for like a year right. after I graduate. And kind of like, yeah, kind of like maybe like get some experience a little bit right. before I like go and try to do the permanent one. Yeah. Um, just because it's a nice little safety net here in Lubbock. Like oh, I'll still sure. have like so cheap to live here. Oh yeah. And like, I'll still have like the recovery that I've had that right. I've lived with for the last almost four years. So like, um, and definitely have like that sense of familiarity yeah. when taking that next step. So that was something I was looking forward to. Nice. Um, but now I really just have no idea. The only thing that sucks about becoming a teacher is like, if I get certified in Texas, 
I can only teach in Texas. Uh, so, uh, like, say I want to move to, like, North Carolina, which is definitely re-certify. a thing. I, yeah, uh, I would have to go back through the steps of, like, taking the teaching certificate test in yeah. another state. <laughs> the good thing, though, too, is I think that um, certain teaching jobs, like, well, I don't know if you have any student loan debt, but, like, it removes it. But uh, I got a couple friends that are doing that. But Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, it's, like, certain – I can't remember. I think it's, like – not you can't do private schools. I think it has to be public schools. But mm-hmm. there's certain like subjects or something, or certain contracts or something you can do that take off student loan debt every year a certain amount. But that's really awesome. Yeah, but I mean they don't fucking make shit. Teachers hardly. Oh no, yeah. At least not in this state. But. No, not in like any state. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Unless you like w- basically have to work at a very bougie private school. Uh, yeah. To like exactly. really actually be able to say you make something. Right. And then if you want to be like a principal or anything like that. Or even like teach at college, you would have to go get your master's. Right. And that's something I don't want to do. Right <laughs> I don't either. I've been thinking um, about it. I talked ooh. to a friend of mine who's like working at a treatment center, has a, had graduated with the same age that I, I'm going for. He's like, get your master's. And I'm like, dude, I can't even fucking deal with like what I'm doing now. I can't even imagine grad school. Like, fuck. Oh, but, yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. Well, dude, I think so much for doing this, man. Um, I usually have people end with like saying, if you could tell your younger self one thing to get through all of what you went through, what would you say? It could be a che- as cheesy as you want or as, as profound as you want. I'd probably beat the crap out of myself and just be like, <laughs> that works. listen, Fuck you. Like, you need to stop being a piece of shit uh, yeah. and just like get your head out of your ass. Dump that dumb ass. Ew, dump the dumb ass. Um, better yet, don't break up with that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with the the one before him. The one good he guy. was good. <laughs> you were just stupid. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, get your head out of your ass. Go to college. Don't put pointy things in your arm. <laughs> don't shove boys. Don't put sh- shove shit up your nose. <laughs> it's not worth it. Oh, yeah. You'll end up in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> and little me would be like, "Fucking where? <laughs> Did you say Texas? Okay, not doing that." <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much for doing this, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Bye, y'all.